When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Chelsea Podcast with me, Andy Saunders. No Kerry Levy tonight and no Phil Daniels, both skiving off, but I'm delighted to be joined by two gentlemen of the press. Uh, to my right, uh, now podcast regular, I've been on hundreds of times, Gary. Mm. You must be a sucker for punishment. Uh, Bleacher Reports, Chelsea correspondent, Gary Hayes. How are yeah, you, can, Gary? Can I just say... Um... As a form of protest, I'm leaving after 26 minutes tonight. <laughs> oh, you got, you got the joke in first. <laughs> and then a, uh, a, ver- a, a veritable uh, debutante virgin, may I say, uh, a proper journalist from the BBC, Gary, Robert Ray. How are you, Robert? I'm good. I've Thanks actually been coming. on. I've actually been on once before. Have you? A long time ago. Never got invited back. Took it as a personal insult. Oh, right. But not when I was here. No, this is a long time so ago. So you got a second chance. Yeah, I think I was about sort of 20th on the list that time. So it's uh, excellent. Glad, 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 glad to have got back out. Here, no, it's great to see you here. And as I say, you are a proper journalist. You're from BBC News, is I'm that from right? BBC News. So, what do you do on a on a daily basis? Do you go out doorstepping people? Or? No, I sit in an office and tell people what to do, oh, and okay. then get shouted at by my bosses. Right. Um, so, are you TV, radio, press, or TV, news right. channel. So, right. they're twenty four hour news. And what's what's been breaking today? Uh, today's been Cameron making gaffes about um, what countries are corrupt. Um, right. What else? Anything about football teams he supports? Uh, <laughs> He's a West Ham fan today. I've isn't ma- he? managed to keep Chelsea out of the news today. Right. Um, but there was quite a lot about West Ham, yeah. Right, okay. And uh, their last game at the bowling. And you're, a, and you're a big Chelsea fan, obviously, that's why you're here. Big Chelsea fan. Chelsea fan for 40, nearly 50 years. Are man. you season ticket holder? A member? What, how do you, I'm a season ticket holder. What do you Matthew say? Harding. Matthew Harding. Lower, upper? Lower, lower. Right, proper. Oh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, a cushy West Ham lower man myself. What about you? So you're in the press box. Well, I'm in the press you box, count. lording it up on, the, on the free buffet. I'll tell you what, while it's fresh in my mind, why don't you do your plug now, Gary? What, about my John Terry book? About your John Terry well, I book. I think we should wait until we start discussing JT, shouldn't we? Oh, well, I was just thinking it's fresh in my mind. Why don't you tell people, uh, tell us people about the book and then we'll, we'll give you a second okay. plug when yeah, it comes so out. It comes out in August. I'm still writing it at the moment. I've got a deadline of the end of May. And it's just a... Um, 
a book celebrating his career, really, which was good timing, given everything that's going on. And, Let's hope um, he leaves, eh? Because otherwise yeah, it's I a know. bit of a damn I'm like pushing him out the door, get out, because I need these sales. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the book looking at it from, yeah, when he first came through at Chelsea as a 14-year-old right through to the present day. Um, but if you want a book about the scandals away from the pitch, then you need to read Hello Magazine, because it doesn't really deal with that. It's just about John Terry, the footballer, and, right. and celebrating that. Have you got a good, a snappy title? Um, well, I'm currently in dispute with the publisher. Um, just to get, catch people's eye, I want to call it Captain Leader Legend. Right. Where did you get that from, then? Yeah, I know. I just, just sat there one day and it came to me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they just want to call it John Terry. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I thought, well, you know, get slightly more you know, imagination to it. But, um, yeah, it's just a book about his career, really, and um, just talking about a lot of stuff that people don't know about in terms of when he was coming through as a youngster, which I don't want to give away right now, because mm. then you won't need to buy it. Um, and just going around speaking to a lot of the, the more senior players at the club at the time, like David Lee and a few others, um, that he, you know, when he was cleaning their boots. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, getting, get, getting their view on him as a, a 14, 15-year-old, what he was like as a player, and then obviously just trying to give a picture to Chelsea fans about, obviously everyone knows what he means to the club, but just getting a little bit more insight and scratching beneath the service that you might not necessarily get elsewhere and you'll, have, you'll, you'll have a chapter in his last game obviously well I've already written it yeah I was like Sunderland better be the last game because this is the for the narrative it just makes it work makes it work well but um, so when can we expect John Terry captain leader legend because that is what it'll end yeah, up well, being called cool, so it'll come out in August right, um, okay. in time for the new season which I was pushing for uh, just because it makes sense that if he's there mm. everyone's happy and they'll be interested in it if he's gone everyone's upset they'll be interested in it and he'll be in China, so you can say anything about anything you want about him. Yeah, but it's actually a positive book. I'm sure um, so, which is what I've been getting across yeah. to some of the players I've been interviewing. They're like, "Oh, what are you going to write?" And I said, "Look, it's a positive book about his career. It's not about. I'm not bothered about John Terry the person. I want to talk about John Terry the player. Right. Um, which maybe people might be a bit cynical about, but I think that someone else can write the the book with the scandals better than I can." Have you ever written a book, Robert? I've never written a book, Mark. Have you got a book in you? Everybody's I, got a book in them, apparently. I've got, yeah, I've got several chapters in me, in me top drawer, you know, sort of waiting to be If you could write a off. book about Chelsea, what would you pick as your theme? Ah, that's an interesting one. I did start, I wrote a short story about our FA Cup run in 1992. Okay. Because, and only because it sort of, um, it was, it coincided with my dad's death. Right. Um, so I found out he had cancer just before the third round. Okay. And he died the day after we went out to Sunderland. I think it was, it was 1992, I think. Yeah. It was. yeah. And that was the last. It was, so, it was so, the final, didn't they? Yeah. And it was so sort of fitting. Yeah. You know, having those two sort of, bu- bu- having that as a bookend. That sounds great. It was, um, it, it was, did it, did, I, thought, I thought it was excellent. Did you get it published? Did it no, it's never been published. It's been re- rejected several times. Surely think, now, uh, though, the interest in Chelsea, that's yeah. a nice story. Stick well, it up I as a blog so. or something. That sounds Yeah, I great. might well do that. I might well, well if you do... Amazon self-publishing tool. Yeah, but if you do, let us know and we'll, we'll point people at it because that oh, sounds right. great. Yeah. I remember that. I went to that game because it was a replay, mm. wasn't that's it? Right. And we went back to the old mm. Roker right. Park and lost in the last was it minute. Gordon Armstrong header? Yeah, corner, wasn't it? It was a corner right in front of us and we were on the old Roker, freezing card. I remember having to walk from Seaburn Station through those horrible council estates. Oh, it's horrific. And we knew, we knew when that when that equaliser went in in the home and the uh, in the first game, it was just like, well, that's yeah. it. We've we've blown our chance against yeah. the second division club. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother went to that game at Roker Park, and um, he got a minibus. We were living in Peterborough at the time, and his PE teacher was a Mr. Gavin. His name was, and he was a um, he was a Sunderland fan, and so he knew my brother was going. He's like, Hayes, I want to see you in school registration half eight tomorrow. You know, really giving it to him. 
So he went up to the game anyway in a minibus with the few Chelsea fans that lived in Peterborough. And as they were leaving Sunderland, um, some clearly annoyed Chelsea had lost. Some fans had uh, started just smashing up cars as they were going along and they started hitting the, uh, the, the minibus they were in. My brother had to pull his shirt out and hold it up to the window <laughs> and all these guys started singing Chelsea songs around him and out and jumping on it instead. But... Um, so he got saved a, a beating because of his, his Chelsea shirt. Just interesting story. Yeah, no, it well. is. I, I went up on the uh, on the old football special, the rickety old train that got rerouted everywhere. And I seem to remember, I might have imagined this, but I think John Bumstead's mum was doing the tea trolley. No. I think. Really? Somebody can confirm that to me. Or, or I dreamt that. And, but I, I seem to remember that was the case. But, and I'm going up tomorrow to the Liverpool game on the football special, but it's all very different these days, isn't it? It's not sort of, bit you know... A bit more luxury, isn't it? Didn't, yeah. didn't they have, like, broken windows? All that they stuff. have seats now. And yeah. Seats, yeah. heating, they have yeah. now. They, they didn't have a floor, did they, when you were using them? Uh, no, well, it hang was off, hang off the roof. It was it was you know pretty pretty appalling. They give you the worst rolling stock they could and send it you know mm. everywhere where there wasn't a civilization. But yeah, and it was a long trip back, obviously. But uh, we'll come on and we'll talk about the Liverpool game. But that was a great segue into the Sunderland game. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Sunderland game uh, that occurred uh, on Saturday. I mean, not the greatest of results. Let's talk about the team first. Gus Hiddink made a couple of changes to the team that started Monday's fantastic game with Spurs. Uh, Thibaut Courtois, back from his two-game suspension, uh, replaced Asmir Begovic between the posts, and Eden Hazard came in for Pedro. Otherwise, it was unchanged. Um, and, you know, it was a funny old game, wasn't it? Because we started off and it looked like we were going to cruise it. It looked like we were just completely in control. I mean, yeah. apart from Gary Cahill getting the quickest booking in the Premiership this year, he got booked, I think, it after 47 seconds. very Vinnie Jones, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, got booked after 47 seconds. But, you know, apart from that, it looked like we were really strolling it. And then it just all went horribly wrong. Well, there's our season. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the number of times, games this season, where we, we've, we've looked like a championship, to, a, a, not a championship team, a league-winning team, um, to start off with in the first 10 minutes as we, as we knock it around and then suddenly another team you know, starts closing us down and starts finishing us off and we can't, we can't, we can't finish our moves and then they score and we fall apart. That's right. How many times have we seen that this mm. season? Psychologically, it just seems to be that the moment a team gets at them, they don't know how to respond and um, you know, they're looking to each other for a bit of support and it's not necessarily getting it. And I think teams, you know, they can sniff it on them a bit. And then, then they start getting at them and they start getting joy out of it. There's no fear factor there anymore at all, is there? No, 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 no And they, they were 2-1 up. They were in control of that game. And then the moment Barini scored... Again. You could just see. Yeah, you, you could just see. And then, you know, within three minutes, it tells a story. They got up and at them. They Sunderland increased the tempo a bit. A home crowd behind them. And, and yeah, Chelsea... It, it, it seemed to crumble. It, it didn't help that Ivanovic went off when he did because... I'm not pointing out players and you know, saying it was because of him they lost, but you see the tackle from Rahman. Um, <coughs> I forget who it was. I think went it was Kazri. Yeah, yeah, it was Kazri. Kazri was very good in that game. It's called yeah. an absolute cracker, didn't he? Yeah, it? but I think it was, I think it was Kazri anyway. He got the ball and Rahman should have just held him up and yeah. just dived in, just skipped past him, whipped it in. Do you know what I noticed about that goal as well? Because obviously Ivanovic is getting injured up there. John Terry's in the middle with his arm up saying, put it out. As the ball is coming across, it's like, you know, for a man of his experience... Uh, captain leader legend, you know, notwithstanding. Well, the first, the sec- the, sorry, the Ivanovic, the when Ivanovic was injured, you know, and oh, uh, he right, was, yeah, you know, yeah. rather than concentrating on the, you know, on the, on the, um, on the matter in hand, I thought he was slightly distracted I by think it. JT's done, uh, I love that JT, I love goal, JT to pieces, but this season, I've, you know, I've just noticed a lack of leadership from him. He doesn't look that interested. Well, um, I mean. Admittedly, none of the other players are leading, but I mean. Well, let's go straight in with John Terry, shall we? Because, I mean, look, look, I don't think there's any doubt all of us around this table owe a massive debt to John Terry, both in terms of what he's achieved for the club that we support, the fact the amount of enjoyment he's given us, the amazing moments. I don't think anybody 
thinks that he's anything less than a legend, right? Well, let's get absolutely. that absolutely straight. Yeah. But let's have, a, let's have a frank conversation about John Terry. You know, let's talk about this particular game, first of all. His late dismissal for a second booking means pretty much his season's over. Mm. It's over. Uh, and that might be his final game for Chelsea after 483 Premier League appearances over the past 17 years. He's had six career red cards, two of which have come this season. Mm. You know, he is the, uh, the most red-carded Chelsea player ever. You know, which doesn't seem a lot, does it, six? Considering we said last week that, um, that uh, Pochettino had been red-carded 13 times yeah. for Espanyol <laughs> alone. We had the likes of Graham Roberts and <laughs> Ron Chopper Harris playing for Well, they didn't really That's hang around. Well, oh, well, Dickie, well. Mickey Droy how, and how, many, how many would Chopper have got these, these days? I mean, he'd hardly yeah, been... What did you have to do to get sent off in the 1970s? I know, I know. Unbelievable. <laughs> Literally carry a Chopper But the thing with JT getting two red cards this season, is it a sign that he's getting slower, which he obviously is, um, this one, I mean, I just thought this yellow card, it was such a stupid yellow card to get. The first one or the second one? The second one. one. second one, I mean, it just right, went yeah. piling in, Sunday but League style, didn't it? What was the point? We, you know, we, we, it was a game we demonstrably didn't care about, or the team didn't care about, so why get yourself... What, mm. uh, the frustrating thing about well. it was that within 35 seconds after the game started, he blew up the ref. Yeah. Yeah. So if he just waited, you know, you, you can look at it two ways. One, it's naive to do it, but then, you know, maybe because I'm... Mm. Um, a Chelsea fan and you know I can't really look at it as uh, you know as a journalist properly I guess but I look at it and I think well that's part of what made him so great in that regardless of whether there's 35 seconds left in a game mm. that could potentially defi- define his season if, even though he's on a yellow card he's still going in for that ball yeah. and I think that's why I'd have to s- slightly disagree with you on the leadership side of it because I think that to me is, is the sign of leadership in that he wants to go out and he wants to win balls that players in, in the, middle of, the middle of the pitch where the midfield should be picking that ball up and he's going and leading by example no, to I go think, and get I think it. you're probably right. I think in the, in the last couple of games, you know, you've seen, I mean, especially the Spurs game, you've seen JT, the captain, you know, that's, that's what we expect. It's earlier in the season when the team was falling apart and I'm looking at him thinking, you're not picking, you're not picking them up. You're not sort of Yeah, I, I think with that as well, though, is that he's looked around and he's seen that there's players there that, and he's, he's tried it and they just haven't reacted. Mm. I think there's a bit. Look, as as the third party in this conversation, I think there's a bit of both in that. Really, I I I think the players have let him have let the team down. I think he, on occasion, has let the team down. He's been in and out of the team with injury, with you know. I mean, you know, it's been a funny old season for JT. Mm. I'm sure it's not how any of us or he would like to have ended it. Listen, there's this there's this idea that you know, for the last two games on the 26th minute, we should all leave our seats and uh, and depart the ground. uh, You know, which I don't know. For me, sounds a bit idiotic. I mean, how do, we, how do we feel yeah. about that? We're not Arsenal. Just sums it yeah. up in, in one statement. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I think it's ridiculous. I mean, look at the Arsenal one. Half of them did, half of them did. They can't even win a protest. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they can't even get that right. We don't want to be that where people are arguing with each other. You're not a real fan. You're a plastic. You're not leaving. It's just, yeah. let's just, let's no. just, everybody knows we love John Terry. It's not, it's not a point we have to no. make. I'll sing my JT songs quite happily. I'll Absolutely. sing, you know, sort of give him a contract, whatever, whatever songs we sing. That's fine. I'm not going to take part in a stupid walkout. I'm not going to hold up a little bit of A4, which is the de rigueur thing for football fans. <laughs> Misspelt A4. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Has a little bit you know, keep JT. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, what, 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 what do fans think they're doing holding yeah. up these little bits of paper? I'm going to Anfield tomorrow, right? It's a long way, yeah. right? On the train for 26 Mid-week. minutes. Do you think I'm going to walk yeah. out after 26 yeah. minutes? Yeah. It's it's like, walk back in after 27 minutes. I'm not going to do it. I think as, as a spectacle. They're trying to, to use it to get a voice, but in terms of what it's going to achieve, 
you know, they, they booed players in December and sang Jose's name and everything else in mm. uh, at, at that Sunderland game at home. They that. booed what, Costa. They yeah, booed Hazard. What did it achieve? Mm. It achieved nothing. All it does, it just brings an unwanted spotlight on the club when, if they're going to get behind him, like you're saying, sing the song, you know, well, what, show support in, in a way that supporters are meant to show support absolutely. rather than becoming part of this social media age and just... Thinking, well, oh, we'll, we'll just throw our toys out of pram. We did it out. okay for when, with, with Di Matteo with the, the, the round of applause. I mean, what's wrong with the round of applause on the on the twenty six minute? Yeah. I can't see anything wrong with that or no. a JT song. That you know, no, that's fine. That's I, I'm, fine. I'm fine with that. I mean, I think there are so many ways to get a voice across these right. days in in the modern age in the modern communications yeah. age. You know, don't tell me that Chelsea don't monitor social media. Of course they do. They yeah, they know what the feeling is. They mm. they they you know they're in the ground uh, when people. But you know, our fans they do suffer from a little bit of emotional incontinence. I mean, you know, this is these are the fans. Our fans who booed Frank Lampard you know because he had the temerity to you know go and play at Manchester City I still don't think we've got into this the whole like you said spoiled child syndrome I mean when when we get into that thing when when we're doing what what, what the gooners do then then there's no hope left as far as I can see yeah. you know as long as long as you know we still treat all this thing you know treat things like sort of 26 minute walkouts with a bit of a cynical eye which is from what I can see on social media is what most fans are doing yeah yeah of course I, I just think as well though that for someone like you, Andy, who's going up to, to Anfield, was it two and a half hours, three hours journey? Yeah, you know, but you're also you're leaving at you know quarter to three or something. You're getting to the ground early. You're hanging around for an hour and a half. Yeah. Then you've got to hang around for an hour and a half. Then you get to get back at half past two in the morning. It's a long old journey. Yeah, but t- to me, that and, and the fan, if the fans go up there and they sing the John Terry's, Chelsea got nothing to play for this season. Mm. Going up to Liverpool. You know, to me, it's just going to smack of 2012 and run up there after winning the FA Cup, nothing to play for, got turned over. And people like you that are going up there and people are asking of you to do that. It's like, it's your money, it's your time, it's your dedication. You're up there supporting the club, doing if what you I should thought, as a fan. If I thought that it was a worthwhile protest, if I thought that it would achieve anything, if I thought that there was some merit to it... I'd buy into it. Of course I would. You know, I'm not somebody who just stands there and says, you know, I, I'm an island. You know, I'm part of a fan base. You know, yeah. I mean, if I felt that it was something that I could, I could back and get behind, I would. I think it's stupid. That's the problem. I just think it's idiotic and moronic. I think we're all <laughs> yeah, agreed on that just, one. Just, just to add to that as well is that I think that we don't know the, the, the full facts here as well about why this contract isn't, hasn't been offered and... Well, we've said that before, haven't we, Gary? We've discussed this. You know, yeah, ultimately, just... and I'll, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table, this is all about money. It's all about money. You know, oh. ultimately, it's... it's sorry, I, I, you know, right. I, just, just let me finish my point because I do get aerated on this. <laughs> I do think it's... The problem is, is what John Terry thinks he's worth and what the club are prepared to pay him. Mm. Now, John Terry can go to China and earn a lot of money. He can go to America and earn a lot of money. Chelsea is saying... For 150 grand a week, if we take that as the ballpark figure of what he earns, mm. we don't think that you're going to play every game next season. We, don't, we think you're becoming more and more injury prone. We think you're amazing. We think you're a fantastic presence. But you're not 150 grand a week presence. Mm. And we can't justify that when we're not in the Champions League, when, we're not, when we haven't got those revenue streams, and think perhaps it is probably time for you to have one big last payday somewhere else. And I think that John Terry's PR strategy around this is very clever because he's in a no-lose situation. Mm. He either walks away and says, club didn't want me, or he stays and he remains a leader. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think, the, 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 you know, you can't get away from the money thing. You know, for all the sort of emotion and everything, you know, our club's a business. They've got to, they've got to pay what it's worth. And if, if, if 150 grand a week gets you, um, you know, a pretty good international centre-back plus some, you know, some, a midfielder that can actually hold the midfield together, well, that's what you do. I think there are other things. And I'm going to bring my, my sources in here. I do, I do have a, um, a source who's 
We could have a sauce off, Gary. I'm going to have a sauce off. (laughs) (laughs) So that, you know, Abramovich doesn't like JT and is keen to get him out of the the club and has been keen for several years and this is his chance and he's not going to back down. Doesn't like the power that he wields? Uh, I think it's more doesn't like the embarrassment that he causes towards the club and has been keen to get him out ever since the the QPR Anton Ferdinand scandal. Okay. whether that's true or not, I don't know. I, my source is pretty good and knows his stuff and does know Chelsea quite well. Um, so I'm guessing, I'm guessing it is true. On the other hand, it's Roman and Roman doesn't tell anybody anything. So, you know, yeah. you're always guessing, I think, a bit with him. But that stands to reason. And going back to the point I was going to make you know, earlier when we were talking about it, is that I think that it's wrong to make the club the bad guy in this when we don't know the full situation. Why is it that the club has to be... the Who's in the room? You know, like, like we've all discussed, we all love John Terry, and we think that he's been an amazing ambassador for the club and everything else. And what he's achieved, you know, he's the, the most successful player in the club's history. He, he is to this generation what the likes of Osgood and you know Chopper were back then. You know, I, I grew up being fed a diet of Peter Osgood and John Terry, uh, and sorry, Ron mm-hmm. Harris, because I didn't have any. You know, my dad. That, that's what we, we grew up watching the um, you know the, the six memorable matches BBC video because. We didn't have anything else for Chelsea at the time. They were the glory days in the playground. I didn't have a player apart from Kerry Dixon that I wanted to be. I was, mm. I was like, oh, I'm going to be Peter Osgood. And my friends were like, Who, who's that? You didn't that? want to be Kevin McAllister. Yeah. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? So when, when we talk about legends Peter Rhodes Brown. But, and so now, you know, my brother's kids, they're going around with John Terry on the back of their shirt. And they, mm. Chelsea fans have got this legend to really cling to. But I think that all things come to an end. And if it has to go this way, then it's very, very you know, disappointing that he's going out on a red card. But at the same time, I just don't believe that we should be making the club the prior in all of it because there's so much more that goes on that yeah. you can't just say, oh, it's Emanalo. Well, no, it isn't. You can't say it's a Bramovich. No, you can't say it's John Terry. There's, there's so much stuff that goes on in these negotiations and everything that I think it's wrong to single out the club on it, which they're doing with these 26-minute protests. I yeah. think my only worry about JC leaving, I, mean, I, think we can, I think we can probably replace him. What I think is a problem is I, I'd, have, I'd have liked King Kurt to have had another season, or at least another half a season, leading off, uh, learning off JT. Mm. So, it would, I mean, Zuma's injury was, was, was really bad for us, I think, because now he's got to learn, off, learn positioning and stuff off Gary Cahill. And to be quite honest, that scares me a little bit. I like Cahill. I love him, but his positioning is awful. I, I, think, th- that- I think that we'll buy a centre-back. I think that Conte, you know, being Italian, you know, will have an understanding of the defensive mindset. You know, the Italians are based around the Catanaccio game. They, they understand yeah. defending probably better than any country uh, in the world. I think that, you know, he's played with players like, or managed players like Bonucci. You know, he has a real understanding of what's required in a centre-back. And I think that he'll make that a priority. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get an Italian, a Manolas or, you know, or Bonucci or someone like that coming over as a senior, experienced player. Yeah. You know, do I think that we're ready for life? after JT I had this conversation with my son my son you know said I don't think we're ready for life after JT I think we probably are I think we've got to make the transition at some point I think that it's painful like any divorce like any separation it's painful but I think in a year's time we'll look back and we'll say we're still good friends you know because I do think that ultimately we have to make the transition and I don't think that I think the only way at the moment is down see I think the the only thing I'd add to that is that um, John Terry as a player I don't think Chelsea need him anymore John Terry is a symbol, they do. And I think that you look back to um, last Monday against Spurs, I'm not quite sure that would have happened without John Terry. Not because of what he did in the game, 
but it's for everything that led up to it. You know, I, I think it's, you, you it's may the be right. figurehead thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And we've, we've tried to... This is what gets me. We've tried to groom a figurehead. we tried to groom David Luiz as a figurehead. Oh, well, that didn't work. Um, we've tried... We brought in Gary Cahill, obviously, because we thought he was a, a JT substitute. Gary, lovely guy, really good defender. Leader? Don't think so. No. Uh, and then Ivanovic? Did we, did we think... Well, yes, and unfortunately, Ivanovic slowing down at roughly the same pace JT is. Do we think Fabregas is a figurehead? I'm really not I convinced myself. I think he can myself. be a captain, but not a figurehead for what John Terry is. And I think that's the issue is that when play, it's, it's kind of like you know, Fergie leaving United. There's that massive vacuum there in terms of the manager. No matter who they get, they're always living up to, to that Fergie ideal. And you know, even with Chelsea, um, you know, when, when Jose first left, I know it was Avram Grant, but he got us to the, the Champions League final and he still wasn't well regarded. And then it was only when we got Ancelotti in, two or three managers down the line, that people actually started to accept him because they'd been through so much dross that when Ancelotti came in and actually started doing things his way and it, and it was working, people saw it at the football they were playing and, and he was a big enough name that everyone thought that, yeah, OK, he can replace Jose. And I think that's the issue with Terry is that where are the club going without him? You know, he, he's come through the academy, so he's got that bond that no other player in that squad's got. Yeah. Do, do you have to have... Here's a, just, I'm throwing this on the table. Right? I'm not saying I believe this, not saying I agree. Do you have to have one central figurehead in a team? Do you have to have that? Is that I a prerequisite? I think you do. I think you've got to have somebody that drives the team forward. And I think that's what Arsenal was there, for so was, there, was there one single figurehead in the Man United great teams or the yes, great think, Liverpool teams? Yes, I think there was. I think there was. I think in the Man United teams you had Roy Keane. Um, in the Liverpool teams of the 70s, you had Emily Hughes to start off with. There was always somebody. There was or Jimmy Case. But weren't there Graham three or four Sooners. of them? Okay, three or four. That's but, what my point. Know, we've, we've, yeah, but we've got none to. now. You know, that's the, that's the point. We've gone down from having four or five leaders. Yep. We've lost them all. We've lost Drogs. We've lost Czech, who was a lead, yeah. leader of the defence. We you know, we've lost Terry. We've lost Lampard. We've lost that whole central spine. And we've got nothing now. And but that, so isn't this a good time to rebuild? Is oh, absolutely. Point? I'm not around, saying that. Yeah. Around a new group But we've group got to be careful who we buy. I know we've yeah. really got to be careful. Of course. My trouble is, you know, all these centre-backs that have been, you know, sort of uh, put forward as, as possibilities, I don't actually know much about them. I'm looking at them, looking at Benucci, thinking, yeah, he looks a hard bastard. Well, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> hard <laughs> bastard. Hard right. bastard. He'll do. But I actually, I don't know enough about Italian football to know whether he's, whether he's actually going to succeed in the um, Premier League. I, I think out of all of them, he's, he's the one that has the experience and he has the... probably he's the 29, isn't he? Yeah, I think, but I think he age. has the leadership qualities and I think he has the... You know, I just think he has the chops to cut it in the Premiership. John Stones, I don't really get, maybe. No. Broad, no, I, like, maybe. I like John Stones and I think that he's coming for a lot of criticism based on... I don't like him on... 50 million quid enough. No, 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 no that's, that's ridiculous, but that's the, the premium on, on, on English players, isn't it? But He's had a dreadful season. He has had a dreadful season, but I think you look at the defence he's playing in and he's hung out to dry almost, you know, playing yeah. under Roberto um, Martinez. Whereas in, whereas in our back four, he'd be, he'd be great. Well, no, I think if he'd come to us, he'd have the yeah. same problems, I think, just yeah. looking at how bad we've been. But just to go back to your point, um, yeah, ideally, you don't have one figurehead. You have a core group of players, like you say, you know, Drogba, Lamps, Czech, Ashley Cole, even Joe Cole to a point, John Terry. The issue now is that with John Terry going, there's nothing there. And is it, go- just, on, just picking up on that point, a lot of those players that you mentioned were English yeah, does, where's is, that backbone? Does that, but do, does that matter that you have a core of English players in no, an English team? I don't think so. I think, I think, you think of the core we had that were five, two of them were English. Well, John um, Terry, Ashley Cole and, and Well, if you're including Lampard. Ashley Cole, I never really thought Ashley Cole was right. quite, quite part of that lovely player. I didn't think he was part of the core of the team. Um, I think you're talking Drogs, Lampard, Czech. Um, who else did I say? Oh, Terry. Um, no, I've lost, it. I've lost it now. I thought there were three <laughs> foreigners. But anyway... 
I don't, I don't think it's being English that's important. I think, you know, you, Man City revolved for the last couple of years until, until he started about around Yaya Toure. And company. And company, exactly. Yeah. So I don't, think, I don't think you're necessarily talking about English players. I think you are talking about players that understand the English game and how it's played, and that's slightly different. Yeah. Um, I think ha- having them as English adds another string to the bow, but it's about having players who understand the club and the way they're trying to play football, which is what I was going to get to in that with John Terry going... I'm just going to go back to my book here, but mm. speaking to players like David Lee, it, it, it just suddenly dawned on me that although we've got this modern Chelsea now, John Terry's been captain for 12 years, it's the Abramovich era that we've had for 13 years, it's a totally new Chelsea to what I grew up supporting and that you, know, you, you go to the club and you see it around it, it's totally different to anything you could, you know, could have imagined 15 years ago. But John Terry is the connection to that team of the 90s and I, I know I'm maybe getting a bit too romantic about it, but then you know, Dennis Wise... Well, that Lee. team of the 90s, D- David Lee played in. Viali, Zola, mm. Hullet, yeah, just, just Lee, the... uh, Wise, Di Matteo. You know, I mean, there were a lot of leaders in that team. It's like, and it's like it's a torch being passed. Yeah. That's the thing. I yeah, mean, t- Terry, exactly. Terry who's, who's the flag bearer? things about the club off, off Dennis, and Dennis learnt things about the club off... Exactly. So to take your analogy, there, we, we, we dropped the baton somewhat. I think, I, think we, I think we're in danger of doing so, yeah. Yeah, um, well, where's the connection now? Because... You, you know, JT talks about Dennis Wise when he was, used to clean his boots and he did David Lee. And, uh, Do they still he, clean boots in the academy? No, no. And, and Ed, Eddie Newton and David Lee as well. And when I spoke to David Lee about it, he said, yeah, you know, we'd give him a little bonus if we scored a goal. I'd give him 25 quid. Wise, he'd give him more because he was paid more in that. Mm. But then they used to do a lot of stuff with them, with those young players, and keeping the traditions of the club alive. Not necessarily that, oh, every year we do X, Y and Z, but just keeping that atmosphere and the spirit of what makes Chelsea, Chelsea. So do we think Ruben Loftus-Cheek... But I, I think he's too young. I think, I think so he's too young to, to put down his shoulders. You know, I, I interviewed mm. him on... Um, sorry, I'm plugging more work here. This mm. is an interview coming out next week. Um, on Bleacher Report. Yeah. Um, I interviewed him last week. And um, I've, done him, I've interviewed him a few times in the mix zone, but we had a sit-down. He's an absolutely lovely guy. You know, um, really quiet, really humble. But to put that on the shoulders of a 20-year-old right now is, is too much. Right. I think he's too it's young. Too and he, he, at the moment, he's still too active. Yeah, and, and well. he's a guy who's trying to establish himself at the club, mm. let alone people looking to him as being this flag bearer for the future generation now. But mm. I just think I mean, with, as well, as with John well, Terry, you're losing that. Whereas that, that's mm. what I mean about not necessarily the player of John Terry being there, but the figurehead, that, that, you know, that connection to what makes the club what it is. Yeah, we have got Eddie Newton in, in, the, back, you know, in the background keeping things ticking over, but... John Terry is such a big figure that I just think you need someone like him around still in the dressing room, whether he's on the bench. But it all comes down to what you said earlier. Well, let me. Let me is let that me, worth 150 grand a week? Let, let, me, let, me, let me make another point here. Atletico Madrid, they don't have any particularly big characters in their team, but they have a very big manager Absolutely. in Simeone, who seems to be their figurehead, who drives them forward, who provides the central focus, who provides the vision, who throws the balls on the pitch when he shouldn't do, who does all that stuff. Could you build a team around a strong managerial figure yes, like you, Conte? And yes, could Conte do that? Yes, you can. And could if, Conte if, buy a bunch of soldiers to to to, to enact his war? In the him? same way that Mourinho did, Mourinho brought in brought in soldiers to to fight his game plan, and that's what we've been relying on for the last ten years. But and, that's reason for optimism. That, then, no, I agree, and I, and I agree, Conte can do that as long as Roman lets him. And right. I'm not sure Roman will let him. You see, I, I just think that. With, with Simeone, to use him as an example, he's got leaders like Koke, but they're not leaders in that Anglo-Saxon way. There's that... nobody in that team that you would turn around and go, that, that, you know, that player drives that. Because they're a selling club, they've got a constant yeah, turnover sure, of I players. If you look at players like Koke, you see the way they play. That They don't play football in that, like I say, that Anglo-Saxon spirit that we like, where you know, we were talking about the other day, 
you know, just this idea that, um, you know, oh, they wanted it hard, they wanted it more, therefore they won. It's like, it doesn't exist. Oh, I'm, not sure about, just, I'm not sure about that in Atletico. There's a lot oh, of players no, there no, that No, but I, I just think that it's not so much that they wanted to win the game, it's that they were so willing to play football in the way that would win in the game. I think it's a totally different mentality. I think over in Britain, I think we've got this idea of, you know, big, big barrel-chested... You know, it goes back right to the culture of football. When, when it first started out, how did it start out? Big riots in the street, everyone chasing the ball and, you know, let's kick lumps out of each other. And I think but that's Atletico still are that, though, Gary. Yeah. I mean, Atletico are built on the counter-attack. Absolutely. But what I mean is that... I think when with John Terry, I think the misconceptions we look at him is like, oh, he's this big English leader and he's this big hard nut. And he's not. I think there's a lot more substance to oh, him. Oh, absolutely. Than that. No, he's, he's a proper player. But what, what I'm getting at, what, what, what you want is a, is, is a team that's willing to give absolute 90 minutes and for, the, for their manager or for their captain or for yeah, their sure. whatever. And, and Atletico do do that. I mean, no, you know, I'm you look not, at players like debating, Griezmann not... and stuff like that, and they, you know, they, are, they, they work their they socks track off. and they press. But I'm, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not debating whether. No, I know you're that, not. I know. I, it's a case of when you say there's no figurehead there, it's a case of because there is that team ethic, but there are players in that team that. When I don't watch them enough as maybe as I should be because I'm too busy, you know, chasing around after Chelsea. But I think that you see them when they play, and you see players like Koke, and you know, you mentioned Griezmann, and even Felipe Luiz is with Chelsea last mm. year. I think you see these guys, and yeah, they buy into that team ethic, but they are leaders almost in some way. You know, in terms of when they were playing Barcelona and they they won the penalty, how did they win the penalty at the end of the game? It's because Luiz had the courage to get the ball and run down the left mm. and attack him and exploit him, and then Iniesta gives a penalty away. I think it was Griezmann he fouled, wasn't it? But see what I mean? There's players that take responsibility on in a different way rather than I'm going to go in on a flying challenge or I'm going to shout loudest. Mm. I think the, point, the, the general point is, does the modern game need central figureheads on the pitch? Can they be a collection of soldiers that can enact a strategic game plan by a powerful, charismatic manager? I mean, my ultimate Chelsea player was Michael Essien. You know, for me, he was the ultimate, you know, he was the ultimate action man player. He wasn't a figurehead. That midfield, Essien, Balak, Lampard. Or or McAlaney. You just didn't mess with it. No, you didn't. But, but, But if you look at... Essien, he wasn't a leader, he wasn't a captain, no. wasn't a figurehead, no. but he was an ultimate player. But and if I, you agree, a, I agree, but he had, a, he had a leader next to him in Lampard. Uh, yeah, but even Lampard, I think people would turn around and go, was Lampard oh, really th- captain I, material? He was. Mm, I'm not sure he about was. that, but he was the absolute centre of that midfield. Everything revolved around oh, him. Oh, I agree with that. Listen, I, used to, I, used to, I, used to, I used to love watching it, watching that midfield and watching Lampard effectively, not, not by pointing and shouting, but just directing where everybody that, went and wherever everybody But he had a strategic goes. role rather than a kind of up and out okay. and role. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be up and out. I'm not disagreeing right. with you. I just, I just think the definition of kind of figurehead being this kind of like, you know, Roy Keane, John Terry, but that's, that's what you know, I mean all for one, that. one for all. Do you really need that in the modern game is the question. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just putting I think you need question. a figurehead, but it don't, they don't have to be a figurehead in the Roy Keane model of they're effing and blinding and spitting mm. and you know they've got that rage in them you don't need a figurehead like that but what you need is someone who whether it's one player or a group of players or who even, does it for Barca down to a manager you need now someone that, who represents now, what that club now is that, that's interesting now that Puyol has gone who does it for Barca maybe PK Barca don't need it so much they, mm. don't, they need it in European games which is maybe why you know they don't win the European Cup every year yeah. they don't need it in La Liga because nine times out of ten they're 5-0 up by half time yeah um, and Real Madrid, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Ronaldo plays for himself, mm. essentially, you know, brilliantly. Mm. But, you know, you wouldn't say that people well, rally. Ramos. Uh, Ramos who gets mm. himself when, when, sent when, off when, every when other When he's turn. not suspended, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's what the league, but, but, it's, it's what those figureheads and those leaders give in mm. a different way. You know, talking about Lampard maybe not being captain material because he didn't shout a lot, but that was the guy who never ducked 
when mm. when the chips are down and Chelsea need I think them to do it's something. When, it's when the chips are down. You need you need four or five players or three or four players that you can turn to and say, right, we're going to get this game back. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to have anything said a word against Lampard. I think he was awesome. I'm just thinking in the definition of what we're saying oh, yeah. about a figurehead. You know, it, yeah. it's interesting. Listen, it's a really interesting conversation. It's one that's going to run and run. You know, we're going to come back to this time and time again. I mean, just wrapping up the, uh, you know, the Sunderland game, which, you know, I mean, I think we've said all we've going to said. I mean, we started off well. We, we, we sort of ran out of steam. We sort of, you know, deflated like a balloon, really. You know, interesting. Fabio Barini again, scored in each of his last three Premier League appearances against Chelsea for Sunderland. Bizarre. Chelsea conceded 50-plus goals in a Premier League season. 51 for the first time. That says, uh, since it, all. That n- says it all about 1996-1997 when they conceded 55. You know, so, it, you know, it's not, it's not been great. Let's talk about, um, you know, because we're slightly running out of time, unless anybody wants to make a point about, about the Sunderland game, um, about youth, the youth, uh, the under-18s, excellent season ended with a bit of a whimper on Saturday morning as they lost 3-0 away at Blackburn Rovers in the Barclays under-18 Premier League elite round. Uh, first half hat-trick from Blackburn did the damage and means the Blues equal last season's third place finish in the under-18 Premier League elite playoff tier. That's easy for you to say. Uh, it follows them topping the southern section of the league and winning a third successive FA Youth Cup title. So, a brilliant season for the under-18s. You know, lots to be positive about there. Don't see any leaders in that team. I mean, I've watched them quite a lot yeah, this sh- season. Yeah, but shooting football, they're individuals, aren't they? Yeah, of course they, they are. But, you know, the whole but team together. John Terry was captain when he was 18, is my point. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, there were... I, I don't see a lot of leaders coming through from, from the youth levels. I think it's trickier at youth level because they, they move them on so quickly, apart from anything else. Yeah. Yeah. John Terry was never a captain at youth yeah. team level. Never captain the youth team. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Didn't, didn't captain the reserve team. Um, okay. Because, and as he says, I only know this stuff because I've had to read it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so I don't know it off by heart. But he was saying, you know, because of the characters who were in that reserve team at the time, that he was never captaining them. And he, the first time he wore the Chelsea armband was in 2001 against Charlton. Yeah. Two days before his 21st So who was captain birthday. of that? Was it... Jody or what? Desai was man. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, who was who was captain in the youth teams and reserve teams? Well, Morris was in the years above him, right? Uh, so like two years above him. So they had, I don't know who the captain was, but he, he wasn't captain them all the time. How funny! And then he only, he only wore the armband um, against Charlton in December the fifth, two thousand and one, when um, they beat us one 0 Kevin Lisby scored, and Desai was injured. Ranieri gave him the armband for the game, right? Because it was coming up to his twenty-first birthday. So if you look at it, he had to grow into that role. Yeah, yeah. And he, Listen, I'm not saying that we need to like pluck Desai. someone from under 18s and stick him in the Chelsea team. I'm just looking at them as a group of players. I and think thinking... there are players in that. You see, you look at the, the the team that won the FA Youth Cup, and there are there are players you would turn to to turn around a game. Izzy, for example, up front. You've got. Who's the midfielder yeah. that scored the goal in the, in the first leg? I can't remember Colquette. his name. Charlie Cole. Oh, 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 no, no, not Charlie no, Cole. This, this yes. Mason Mount. Yeah, who I yeah, thought, player, you know, yeah. he, looks, he looks vaguely Lampardish. He's, he's, he's kind of busy. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's directing the whole midfield with his passing and stuff. And I think that's the sort of player you're looking at. They're the, the sort of players where you think, God, we're 2-0 down. What are we going to do? All oh, right, that's all right. Izzy will get us back in the game. Charlie Cole will get us back in the game. Masonda, when he was here last season, will get yeah. us back in the game. Um, Rather than, like you say, rather than your, your, your bulldog Drummond types, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I know we just to, to contradict bulldog the point. Drummond showing your eyes there, Rob. <laughs> to contradict the point that I said earlier about you know putting too much pressure on Loftus Cheek in that he's twenty years old and saying, oh, you know, future captain. He was a captain of the youth team. Yeah. And um, when I spoke to him last week, he was talking about when he won the um, the youth cup in twenty fourteen. I think it was against Fulham. Um, and he, he said about you know half time his half time team talk and. Um, it's actually really interesting getting this insight from him he's talking about how he was chatting to the players saying look we need to play this game quicker and we need to do this and we need to do that so he's a quiet lad 
but he's got Authority. I think he's got that brain yeah, and, yeah. He, and he, he knows when to turn it on and when not to you might not see it on the pitch but I think there's elements to these young players that we don't necessarily see. No, of course not. And, and as, as Rob quite rightly said, they're, they're individuals at this stage. Yeah, and, but what helped John Terry was playing under Desai. Do you think there's a mentality among Chelsea fans? I mean, we all, we, we've all seen the sort of, oh, play the youth, play the youth, which is, you know, obviously this season I think we should have done. You know, there's nothing to play for. I mean, why we didn't stick a, you know, a young team out against Sunday, I've no idea. I hope that we're going to do it on Wednesday against Liverpool because um, there just seems no point not to. But there just seems to be... Just from Chelsea fans around me and Matthew Harding, Chelsea fans on social media, player has a couple of couple of games and the criticism starts coming in. And I've already, I've already seen criticism of Ruben. Individual player blaming has been yeah. a real problem. But we this don't season. give them any time at all. No. It's two no. games and then oh they're not good enough. I mean the same happened to De Bruyne. Yeah, yeah. Um, the same Quadrado, happened to uh, yeah. Salah. You know, yeah. um, Quadrado, Who's one I'm thinking of? Who, who nearly got us the tra- transfer ban? Um, oh, uh, Gal Kakuta. Yeah, Gal Kakuta. So plays one game, misses a penalty, and suddenly all all the fans are away. He's not much. He's not much. He's not special. How can you judge that in two in two games well, you for, a, can't, for an eighteen? Yeah, I, I think, I think well this, this goes back to the emotional incontinence of, of some Chelsea fans who, mm. you know, who are just cannot see beyond their own personal frustration. Yeah. That's the problem, and, and voice it in a way that's completely unnecessary but and inappropriate. Then from Loftus Cheek's point of view, is that he's playing as a number ten? It's like mm. he's not number ten. He, he plays no. in mm. in. And you'll read it next week. And he talks about, I've never played as a number 10 before. Jose liked me there, that's why I'm playing there. Mm. He's, he played as a central defender and as a defensive midfielder when he was coming through from under eights right through until Jose got hold of him. And now mm. suddenly he's a number 10. And you've got not, Kennedy trying to play left back. Which yeah, he's, he's not creative nonsense. enough to be a number 10. He's not agile or mobile enough to be a number mm. 10. He's more of a you know, the defensive player who can get forward and contribute yeah, he starts from way, deep, doesn't he? Starts from yeah, deep, yeah, he's not a player that's meant to be in these tight spaces creating... You know, creating openings for others. Yeah, you know, so playing him in there and you know fans criticising a twenty-year-old. Yeah, it's crazy. I'd have had to say, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have given him ridiculous. ten straight games. I'd have said, right, ten games to go. Yeah, the Tommy Dockery principle. Yeah, exactly. You're in. It doesn't matter how you play. Yep. Forget it. You know, relax. Become part of that team. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different age and. You know, there's, there's different um, pressures on players now, but that's what Doherty famously did with Osgood, wasn't it? Yeah. Gave him ten games. I think it was ahead against uh, ahead of Barry Bridges. Said, no matter what you do, Aussie, these ten games you're playing, don't worry about it. And then Peter Osgood, Peter Osgood is born. And I think you need to give these young players this chance. Let, let's continue with the with the youth. Under 21s lost their final home game of the season at Stamford Bridge, one nil on Friday against Man United, but registered a late one nil uh, win at Manchester City last night. That's Monday night. Charlie Colkett with a goal in the 86 minute, sealing the points. Uh, that win keeps AD Vivash's side in fifth place in the league table. Victory against Leicester City at the King Power Stadium later this week. We'll see them end the campaign in fourth leapfrogging City in the final standings. Big week for the ladies. Uh, Chelsea ladies scored a full successive victory against Liverpool ladies at the Wheat Sheaf on Sunday. Frenetic match saw the Blues run out 6-3 winners in a game which sees them go second in the FA Women's Super League. Three points behind Man City with a game in hand. And then this coming Saturday sees Chelsea ladies at Wembley Stadium as Emma Hayes' team try to win the Women's FA Cup for the second year running. I'm going to that game, actually. Uh, Arsenal ladies are the opponents and tickets are available from the Chelsea website if you want to go along. I think it's a tenner for adults. Kids 
to free. They're expecting an enormous crowd for that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's going to be great fun. I'm taking my 13-year-old daughter. Should be fun. Uh, Just finally, just talk about the loanies this week. Congratulations to Marco van Ginkel, who won the Dutch League Championship on Sunday after his PSV Eindhoven nicked in ahead of Ajax to deny them a fifth championship in the past six seasons. PSV went into the final day game against PEC's Voller, trailing Ajax on goal difference, but a 3-1 victory and their rivals 1-1 draw at second from bottom. De Grafschap secured the title. Elsewhere in the Dutch League, Lewis Baker and Izzy Brown came on as subs in Vincesse Arnhem's draw at 20, which allowed them to climb above NEC to finish ninth. Andreas Christensen and Borussia Mönchengladbach are on the verge of qualifying for next season's Champions League following a 2-1 win over third place by Leverkusen. They have a three-point lead in the Bundesliga standing over Mainz and Hertha Berlin and a much better goal difference than either of the nearest challengers who play each other on the final day. Papadilla Boggi, remember him? Also involved in a decisive match next week after his Werder Bremen side only drew 0-0 in Cologne. They have to beat Eintracht Frankfurt next week with the loser of that game destined for a relegation playoff or worse, depending on Stuttgart's result. Back in England, Thomas Callas was an unused substitute as Middlesbrough sealed their return to the Premier League. Uh, John Swift signed off his spell at Brentford by scoring his seventh goal of the season to help the Bees with a 5-1 victory over Huddersfield Town. Not such a good weekend for our Premier League loanies. Uh, Nathan Ake was on the bench for Watford as they lost 2-0 to Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. Patrick Bamford came on as a late sub for Norwich as the Canaries edged closer to the drop with a 1-0 defeat at home to Manchester United. Do I matter with the Man United goal in that game? Uh, Victor Moses was taken off by West Ham after 59 minutes in their 4-1 loss against Swansea. In Italy, Mohamed Salah played an hour of Roma's 3-0 win over Chievo, uh, which take them up to second place behind uh, Juventus, which is Juan Cuadrado. Uh, obviously, the Colombian was a star as the champions lost to Verona get there soon and France Jeremy Vogas uh, Ren came on as a sub uh, in a 2-0 game against uh, 2-0 lost to Montpellier uh, and Charlie Massonda played 89 minutes of Real Betis 1-1 draw at Ibar Christian Atsu was involved in the whole game as Malaga fell to a 1-0 defeat at Celta Vigo you you're going Chelsea blue in the face there, Andy. Phew! There was a lot of them, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, eight, 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 who knew we had so many loan players? Yeah, there's over 30. Eight illustrates yeah. how many loan players, but it also illustrates how well some of them are doing. I mean, that's brilliant for Marco van Hinkle. Do, what do we think about van Hinkle? Do we, do we actually think he's good enough? I was really disappointed when he got that knee injury against Swindon in the Capital One Cup. When he, um, was, it, was it against Swindon? I think it was. Yeah. Because um, he looked like he could be a good player, and I think mm. he's really struggled to get back to those levels that, that he was at. I think the question is, who knows? He's done very well in the Dutch League, but Matai Kesman did well in the Dutch League, so who knows? Um, but uh, maybe, I mean... Will you we know, ever find out? Either, I don't know. But, but, well, I'm, I'm sure there are people watching... He's classy. He's very classy. He's in that McEachern bracket now, where he's had a few loan moves, and some of them haven't worked out. Yeah. You know, like when he went to Milan, he just didn't get game time. Didn't get game, injured no. a lot. Yeah. But this one seems to have worked out. Yeah, this yeah. one seems to have worked out brilliantly. He's banging Hollywood, in the goals. Mm. Banging in the goals. Yeah, you know, Stoke this season, he started off okay, and then sort of just like disappeared, and Hughes didn't really want him, and then, you know, now he's gone back to Holland to, to play. So the, the jury's out, but I think that for what we got three years ago and we signed him, that knee injury is really... It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, really I'm talking to McEachern, we're now back in for him or something, yeah, apparently. Mon- monitoring his progress. Monitoring his progress, yeah. Finishing oh, monitoring his progress when he's on loan. Listen, two games coming up this week. I know we're, um, we're, we're running out of time, so I'm speaking rather quickly here. Uh, Liverpool tomorrow night. Let's have some predictions. Gary? I think that hopefully um, he'll play Loftus-Cheek, Traore and Kennedy. Not go full out on too many youth players, but Liverpool will have too much for us. I think we'll get tonked. Um, although, having watched them play against Swansea, if they play like that, we might actually 
um, come away with three points because they were dreadful against Swansea. Okay, I think I think I'm I'm not optimistic either. I'm going to go on the on the happy side and say a, a low scoring draw, maybe one one. And then obviously Leicester, uh, the procession of the champions uh, at Stamford Bridge on uh, Sunday, three o'clock. Uh, predictions: loud chance for Ranieri, um, loud chance for Leicester. Um, if if, we'd, if they'd been going for all three points, I think the entire Matthew Harding would have sung Leicester City songs hmm. all the way through. Absolutely. I think Leicester may well still be nursing hangovers, and I think we might squeak it. Dilly ding, dilly dong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for a three-all sort of pre-season game, high scoring. Rush goalies. Bad. Yeah. yeah uh, Robert Hoof's not playing, is he? So it means uh, Vasilovsky will be playing, and I think uh, Pato... Of yeah. all people, might give him the runaround. We need to get that um, Grandsman's trolley out for Hooth, don't we? Really? Yeah, um, <laughs> we're going we, to win that game, I think. You know, because I'm with you. I think they'll be suffering from the Jamie Vardy party. But listen, guys, thanks so much for coming. Robert Ray from the BBC, uh, Gary Hayes with the new book coming out in August. John Terry, Captain Leader Legend. We know that's going to be the title. It and uh, and read his reports on Bleach Report, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. Pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cool. This is a Playback Media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.